Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Hey, before I say anything else, I just got to say how proud I am of your campus pastors, pastors Mike and Katie Yeager. took over the campus and then a few months later this little thing called COVID happening that happened and you guys have done an amazing job I'm looking around seeing so many new faces people I've never met before it's so incredible so let's, just, let's give honour to your campus pastors Pastor Mike Pastor Katie also good to see Marco Contreras the pastor with the I don't know the biceps yeah I'll say that and also Pastor Stacy, who's a great pastor, really helped straighten out a lot of things in my life over the years. So thank you for that. That's amazing. Um, but come on, before we say anything else too, come on, let's give honour to your lead pastors, Pastor Jurgen, Pastor Leanne. Come on, you're part of a great church here. Amazing. So good. You can be seated. Give someone a high five on your way down. Thank you, worship team. Good job. Amazing. So good to be here today. It really, really is. And I've been looking forward to this Sunday for quite a while. It's such an honor to be back with, with you guys. And I just love everything God's doing down here. So for those of you that don't know me, yes, I am Pastor Drew. Uh, my wife and I moved uh, from Australia in 2011 to do the internship here at Awaken Church. Uh, Pastor Emma sends her love. We got a little family picture to show you just in case you don't know. Uh, that's, that's us there. Look at my cute kids. They're so amazing. And there's me looking like I haven't slept in months, maybe years, which is somewhat true. Somewhat true. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You, yeah, take that down. Thank you. Um, so Pastor Emma does say a massive hello. So yes, we did move here beginning of 2011 to do the internship. And a few years later, Pastor Jürgen uh, and Leanne sat us down and said, hey, I think it's time for you guys to grow up. No, I didn't say that. They said, we think it's time for you guys to step up and into this amazing thing called uh, East Lake campus, the South Campus at the time. And so we started at the AMC Movie Theatre uh, back eight years ago, I believe it was. Come on, yes, if you know what I'm talking about. In fact, I have a, a fun photo of me asking Pastor Mike if he would consider joining the launch team. That's us sitting there on Del Mar Beach. There's Pastor Mike on the right there. Yeah, his head is not shaped like that. That's a massive, thick beard. Come on, give it up for a man that can grow a beard like a lumberjack. It's amazing. And so <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the moment we asked him. And just a fun hack, if you ever need to ask somebody something really big, a major stretch, just do it uh, at Del Mar Beach in the sunset. They're going to say yes, nine times out of 10. <laughs> but anyway, so that was that. We moved into the, into the AMC movie theater. I think I've got a fun picture of Pastor Jurgen preaching there. One of our first Sundays, there's, there's Sal at the front row. Oh, Christian. I believe Christian, who's the third person in, is actually shouting amen. At that exact moment, he's shouting amen. Fantastic. And then I actually found this really cool old picture of Pastor Mike and Katie service leading for one of the very first times 
That's awesome. And so there's a little, little fun little couple of uh, pictures of, of that. We, we thought we were pretty cool back in the day when we were in the movie theater. We thought we were pretty gangster. We thought we were a little bit straight out of South Bay, if you would. We, 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 we even made a, we even made a, that's, uh, that's Jose, who's no longer here anymore. Um, but his brother, Jorge, is here, apparently. So Jose's there, and there's us looking pretty gangster, Christian looking gangster, straight out of South Bay. We thought it would be relevant when the Straight Out of Compton movie came out, and we thought, let's be gangster, but it didn't really land, but it was cool. Anyway, you can take that slide down. Um, but but I, I would be remiss to talk about the AMC movie theater days without talking about three of my favorite stories that I'm allowed to share from a legal standpoint. <laughs> uh, one of which was one of our team, if you remember, we would, we'd do a team rally before the, the service began and we had our team around, we're all praying and people were getting excited, shouting, amen, we're gonna, we're gonna see, we're gonna see East Lake's gonna be changed, amen, like it was crazy. Um, and, but it was the same day that, that Star Wars was releasing a new Star Wars movie. And so all the Star Wars people really like Star Wars. Uh, they really like it so much so that they have to come dressed dress as a character from the Star Wars films. And so in the middle of our prayer circle, it was like this gang, of Darth Vader's just slowly walk through the middle of our prayer circle. Like, what are you guys doing? It was, it was awkward. Um, I have to mention the one time that we uh, took the truck to emerge and somehow a snake climbed into one of our cases, one of our road cases. And that sneaky snake crawled out of the road case at the AMC movie theater and slithered away into the chairs and we never found the snake. That snake is living somewhere in the AMC movie theater, eating popcorn, eating peanut M&Ms, living his best life. And of course, the, the last one I will share and all the kids' church volunteers know what I'm talking about right here when I talk about that one time when the AMC movie theater got their programming wrong. They made a mistake and they program when the movies start from their head office, which is somewhere in the Midwest. I blame the Midwest for this situation. And someone programmed a movie to start in the middle of kids' church, which yeah, if it was a good, wholesome movie, like, I don't know, Frozen or one of those you know, kids' movies would be okay. But the problem was, it was the Blair Witch Project. Yes. Well, the kids are extra screaming today. <laughs> we were casting out demons. We were like, get out in Jesus' name. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy, it was fun. It was a whole lot of fun. It was good times, really good times at the AMC Movie Theater. We really had a fun time there. Obviously, we were there for a couple of years before we moved in, in here in East Lake. Um, and then I can remember sitting with our pastors at the end of 2019, and we said to them, Pastor Jurgen, Pastor Leanne, this does not make sense. We love our lives here so much. We love you guys. We love our team. We love our church. Our kids have an amazing scholarship to a school. This does not make sense to not be here, but we just can't shake this thing for the Northwest. But we'd only go if you'd send us. If you don't want to send us, we won't go. We're fine. And Pastor Jurgen said, you know what? We're just talking about the Northwest the other day. And this is, if I could send any, you to any part of our country, it'd be, this, be the Seattle region. So we'll absolutely send you. And so before we knew it, we were praying over Pastor Mike and Pastor Katie and Gladys and Rudy's home. We were ordaining them and to, to be there next campus pastors. And then before we knew it, Pastor Jürgen was praying over Pastor Emma and I as we were sent out from 
this amazing church to start Hope Village Church up there in Seattle. So there's the quick six minute history lesson. You can start the clock now, amen. But who's ready to come around the Word of God today? Come on, 11 a.m. Come on, we wanna, we wanna be a hollaback church. We wanna be interactive today. If I say anything even remotely interesting, uh, shout out, shout amen. Don't put your hand up and ask a question. It's not that kind of format, but just shout me down. Let's have some fun in church today. Let's go to Genesis. You have to tell, tell that because there's always that one socially awkward person that's like, um, excuse me, what did you mean by that? No, 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 it's not that. Just shout me down. Come on, let's have some fun in church. All right, Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created man in His own image. And friend, you have to understand that now more than ever before, we live in a world that would rather recreate their own version of God in our image rather than accept the fact that we were made in His. Be very careful of your friends who are deconstructing. That's not the point of this message, but it's worth saying. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth, subdue the earth and check this out, have dominion over the fish, the birds and everything that moves on the earth. So the first thing that God calls you and I to is a thing called fruitfulness. God says, go ahead and be fruitful. But then God doesn't stop there. We would probably wanna stop there when we've got a fruitful life on, when, when the house is paid off, the kids are through college, everything's kind of good, life is fruitful. But God says, no, don't, don't stop there. Subdue the earth. Have dominion over everything in the earth. And we're in a time more than ever where we need to understand the urgency and the importance of you and I stepping up and into a life that is beyond fruitfulness, but a life that is subduing and taking dominion in our city. Amen. Amen. Now hold that thought. Many of you don't know the story, but it took God quite a while to convince me to try and to convince Emma to move to Seattle. In fact, I had seven dreams about that region over a couple of years. One of these dreams I had, the most vivid of the seven dreams was in March of 2019. Almost a year to the day of the COVID lockdowns. In fact, we arrived a week before the COVID lockdowns to a city where we didn't know anybody, had no place to live and no school for our children. Amen. <laughs> it's like counseling right now. I feel like this is good. In this dream, I walk into a huge church in the Northwest. There's no one in the building. There's no one in the foyer. I'm walking around, where is everybody? Why is the church empty in the Northwest? I walk out of the church and I see across the street from the church, there's this huge castle, like the, the castle in Disneyland, you know, the, the kingdom castle. It's a weird dream. The devil comes out of the castle and he says to me, the church is empty in the Northwest because the Northwest is, is my kingdom. But why don't we play chess for it? It's a weird dream. I'm not a chess player at all. I've got way too much ADD for that game called chess. Come on, someone say amen. 
Like I might play Catan, that's it, that's it. I, I might play some board games, I'm, I'm not interested in chess, I'm not a chess guy at all. But here I am in this dream playing chess against the devil. And he's cheating, which is to be expected. He's not known for honesty, Enrique. He's sneaky. He's moving the pieces however he wants to. And I realize as I look closely, we're not playing chess with chess pieces. We're actually playing chess with the pillars of society. And the devil says to me in this dream, in a taunting way, most pastors in the Northwest are playing with the church pillar. But I'm not just playing with the church pillar. I'm playing with the pillar of education. I'm gonna make sure the most perverse stuff is put in the schools. I'm gonna play with the, the pillar of the government. I'm gonna make sure the wrong people are in office. I'm gonna play with the pillar of the marketplace, the pillar of the arts. That's why the Northwest is my kingdom. And then it dreams, the dream ends with the devil saying, checkmate. And so I wake up and I talk to Pastor Emma about it. I'm like, I've had another dream about Seattle. She's like, oh, and she's really not into this, by the way. She's not, she was not into the idea at all. She was not reading Proverbs 31 at the time. I actually picked her up a new Bible. It's the Proverbs 31 edition. It's just Proverbs 31 over and over and over and over and over. She can read it every day and she's been flourishing. Anyway, <laughs> that actually is a good business. You should do that, Chris. You should start that. You can make some money on that. Just give me 10%. All right. So I tell Pastor Erin about this and she's like, well, yeah, but you didn't win. He got checkmate on you. I'm like, good point, good point. So anyway, that was March of 2019. September, we sit with Pastor Jürgen. October, we sit with Pastor Jürgen Leanne. And they say, we're gonna send you there. And then a couple months later, in fact, it was the last weekend of 2019. Some of you may have been here. Pastor Luke Barnett was preaching preaching a message about a world-famous painting called Checkmate. It's a painting of a man playing chess against the devil. Preach it right here. He knew nothing about this dream. Only a few people knew about this dream. And in this, it's, it preaches really well because you see this, this painting is called Checkmate implying that the devil has checkmate on this guy. But if you would study the, the pieces closely, if you knew about chess, you would discover that this world famous painting is flawed. It should not be called checkmate because the devil does not in fact have checkmate. This guy still has one more move. The painting should be called one more move. It should not be called checkmate. So today as I'm talking about taking dominion, as I'm talking about subduing, I'm not just talking about the church pillar. Although that is important, I'm talking about all the pillars of society. And come on, how thankful are we that we are part of a church that is taking territory and not just in the church, but taking territory in the marketplace, taking territory in the arts. Come on, Annika, taking territory in government, taking territory in all spheres of culture. So the title of this message today, for all the note takers that wanna to go to the most elite part of heaven, the note takers estates, that's what it's called. That's what it's called, it's, that's what I've been told, that's what it's called. It's very elite, very exclusive. Everybody in note takers estates get their own personal pool and tennis court, which is clean and maintained by people who did not take notes in church. 
And I'm just gonna say, eternity is a long time to be a pool cleaner. So you just want you wanna take notes. So the title of my message today, for all the note takers that wanna retain more information because they know it's smart to take notes, is this. Traits of a territory taker. Traits of a territory taker. And I would say of all the things that Pastor Jurgen and Leanne have imparted into Pastor Emma and I, one of the top 10 things, there'd be so many, but one of the top 10 would be that we're called to take territory. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna get this party started. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, for all these amazing people in here today. May we walk out of here, not just with a great sermon or with some good little notes in our notepads, but God, may we walk out of here different from the way we've come in. I even pray right now for the person who is sitting in their seat and they, and they feel almost squirmish. They feel like, could, could this be the message that changes everything for me? And I, I declare, well, maybe friend, it could be today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, yes. amen, amen. Let's go, three points because every good sermon has three points, amen. The first point is this, territory takers take responsibility. Now, I know it's pretty mind-blowing. I know you're looking for a real deep teaching, feed me pastor, wow. It's, it's just very simple, but I think if we can just keep the, the basics right, do the basics well, we're gonna get there, okay? So, so, so territory takers take responsibility. This is, this is where it all starts. You see, whatever we don't take responsibility for, we eventually will lose. In fact, some of the things that we feel like we have lost is not because we lost it, but because maybe the generations previous to us never fought for it or lost it. You don't take responsibility for your car payments, friend. The devil ain't gonna come and take your car. Bob's towing's gonna come and take your car. It's not a devil attack. It's a lack of responsibility. It starts with responsibility. Humans by nature... We like to push off responsibility. If you don't believe me, just ask the parent of a small to medium-sized child. They like to push off responsibility. If I tell my seven-year-old Jack, hey, I need you to pick up a mess that my nine-year-old Georgia made, he is going to argue and enter into a, a debate about why he should clean up the mess that he did not make. In fact, the mess was made by somebody who is even older than him. And I would have to explain, I don't know, it wasn't your mess to, that you made, but it does not neglect the fact that you still need to clean it up. And if my bare feet step on a Lego one more time on our hardwood floors, I am just going to be throwing the Legos away into the lake of fire. <laughs> or probably the thrift store, that's probably where it's gonna go. Sometimes you and I will find ourselves in messes we didn't make some messes will be made by those who went before us, but just because you didn't make the mess doesn't mean you get to neglect the responsibility to clean up the mess. Whatever territory we neglect responsibility in, the devil will happily take ownership over. Fun fact, Seattle, in a study that was brought out in 2016, it was discovered that Seattle was number two in the country for least amount of people associated with the religion, which is to be expected probably. But what was inter interesting about this study is that Seattle was also number two in the country for religious buildings per capita. Indianapolis, Bible Belt, Seattle. 
Texas, Nashville, they're all down here. Seattle, number two. Why, why is that? Why is that? Because it, it's, it's about responsibility. You see, what one generation paid for, the next generation enjoyed, the next generation lost. Because at some point in the cycle, there was a neglect of the responsibility to teach the next generation what it means to take territory. There was a stepping back from the front foot and a stepping back to the back foot. I remember several years ago when we lived in uh, Bonita, just down the road from here. Sorry, I don't mean to location drop, that's a name. Lived in Bonita, yes, huh? I know, <laughs> means beautiful in Spanish, it's excellent. <laughs> Pretty high end. Um, our street was pretty high end, apart from one house. <laughs> and if by very small odds, the person who owns this house is here today, I'm so sorry, this is gonna be awkward. <laughs> but everybody in the street was doing their part to make the street look good. You know what I'm talking about, neighbors, you know, you just do the neighborly thing. Like, you know, you just maintain like your house, you know, your yard, you just, you mow it, you just make it look good. But this one neighbor was letting the team down. Marco, she's letting the team down. She was not maintaining her house and she hadn't maintained it for probably 20 years. And, and, and I had like 15 cars out the front, like none of them worked. You know, like some of them, I've just like got the engine out of it and it's like parts everywhere. Like they're like, I'm like, why don't you sell the 15 cars that don't work and like buy one car that does work? <laughs> I'm not like a financial advisor, but that might be worth considering. And this house was, was just, had like cats everywhere and I'm not anti-cat. I'm not anti-cat. I am, I am anti-army of cats <laughs> in my street. So anyway, one, of the, one, one day I ended up bumping into our neighbor and she was really sweet and lovely. We had a great, a good, great conversation, but I came to discover that she ain't never paid for that house. She inherited that house 20 years earlier. She ain't never known how to pay for it. See, she has not known how to pay to keep it. What one generation pays for, the next generation enjoys, the next generation loses. This is why vision builders is so important. And as a guest preacher, I probably wouldn't come to a church and talk about giving or, or vision builders, but it's so important when we talk about this topic today. You see, because vision builders, friend, it, it flicks a switch in you that says, I'm taking responsibility, not just church for me, church for my children, church for my grandchildren, church for my great, 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 great grandchildren. Vision Builders flicks a switch in you so that on Monday morning, you ain't waking up to go ahead and get on the grind and do your nine to five, or even worse, build your own empire. No, no, it makes your life so much bigger than your empire. It makes your life about the kingdom. That's why Vision Builders is so powerful but it starts with responsibility. Genesis 2.15 says this, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. You see, God's pretty smart. He could have made the garden however he wanted to. He could have made the garden completely self-tending. He could have made the garden artificial, fake grass. Come on, someone say amen. So much easier. He could have made it all fake grass and fake plants. And, but no, no, he understood, no, it's good for man to have something to tend and keep, something to be responsible for. I don't wanna brag, but I have a garden. 
I know, I'm staying humble. Not much of a gardener. I have discovered this though. If I neglect my garden, it doesn't just work itself out. It doesn't just take care of itself. Someone else will do it, but they won't. You know, it's interesting, friend, because you're sitting in the garden of Eastlake. You're sitting in the garden of National City. You're sitting in the garden of Chula Vista, of Coronado. Come on, you're sitting in the South Bay of San Diego. And friend, that is your garden to keep. And as it goes with the church, so it goes with the city. Come on, as it goes with the church, so it goes with the city. That is the garden for you to tend and keep. Territory takers take responsibility. The responsibility to act, to act. I wonder if the difference between the people who take territory and those who don't is simply their ability to do something, to do something. Now hear me right, there is a time to pray. Men's prayer, Tuesday mornings, 5.30 a.m. Women's prayer, there are, there are times to pray. You need to pray. There's a time to pray, but then there's a time to act. There's a time to walk out of the prayer meeting and do something. I always tell my, my, my church this at our prayer meetings, listen, I don't, what I don't want our prayer meetings to be is a locker room experience that hype up a team for a game that they never run onto the field to play at all. There's a time to pray, but there's a time to act. There's even a book in the Bible called Acts. It wasn't called Good Ideas or Good Intentions or Good Wishes. It's called Acts, based on the Acts of the Apostles, Acts. Come on, listen, we can believe for all the things and you should believe for all the things, but there's God's sovereignty in our responsibility. And I just wonder how many times we put back into God's hands, the very things He's put into ours. And as we pray, we delegate back to God, God, make my marriage better. And He's like, you make it better. God, make, make my city better. You make it better. God, make California better. You make it better. You make it better. Come on, there's God's sovereignty, but then there's our responsibility. Oh, someone else can run for city council. Someone else can be the superintendent of schools. Someone else can buy, awaken their next building. Or someone, someone else can be on the school board. Someone else can fix up California. Stop it. What if you were the someone else? What if you were? What does it look like for you today to take responsibility over the very problem, the very thing that frustrates you? What does that mean for you today? Territory takers take responsibility. Number one. Number two, territory takers aren't looking for easy. They aren't looking for easy. I feel somewhat qualified to speak on this topic considering the fact that we moved to Seattle a week before lockdown and started the church in our living room amidst COVID and it was a wild, crazy time. Just crazy. But territory takers aren't looking for easy. You can't have Nordstrom results with Dollar Tree faith. 
Oh, some of you are laughing like you've never been to Dollar Tree. <laughs> yeah, we've all been to Dollar Tree. I take Pastor Emma there all the time. Date night. I feel like a baller in there. Walk in there with my checkbook. I could buy this entire store. Hundreds of dollars. I tell Pastor Emma, hey, babe, it's, it's date night. Five to seven items, whatever you want. I'm paying cash. I don't even know how Dollar Tree is still Dollar Tree. With inflation, it's gonna be two Dollar Tree before we know it. Even my daughter, Georgia, said to me the other day, Daddy, it shouldn't be called Dollar Tree, it should be called Dollar 49 Tree, because everything is Dollar 49 now. It's false advertising. Territory takers aren't looking for easy. They ain't looking for easy. I have a saying with my kids when they cry and they say things are too hard. And the saying is this, well, guess what? You can do hard things. You can do hard things. Stop asking God for an easier life and ask Him to make you stronger for the life that He's called you to. You can do hard things, friend. I don't think I'm the best parent in the world, but I do think that I'm pretty good at telling my kids, you can do hard things. My son, Jack, he's seven. He's awesome. He's such a, you saw him in the picture, he's so handsome. He's like fully pale. He's got Pastor Emma's skin. He just walks past the oven and gets the sunburn. He's so, he's just amazing. He's so sweet, but he, and he has such a sweet heart. But, the, but the, the problem is if he loses anything, it's meltdown time. Like we're playing a board game, he loses, literally, he melts into, it's like at the end of The Wizard of Oz when the, when the Wicked Witch of the West has the water thrown on her and she's like, I'm melting, what a world, what a world. It's like that. So we signed him up for wrestling. This will fix him up. And the first time he went to wrestling, he cried, which was to be expected. What wasn't to be expected is that the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, somewhere around the fifteenth time, he was still crying every time he went to wrestling because either he was misunderstood, he got hurt, he hurt somebody else and he was crying because he hurt somebody else, or something was a misunderstanding. It's just like a lot of drama. I'm like, this is just awful. And I don't really know how to coach someone in wrestling, Pastor Mike. I've never made a decision to be a wrestler. <laughs> never once in my life I've thought, you know what I should do? Wear tights and wrestle another man who's also wearing tights. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're a wrestler today, you knock yourself out. <laughs> it's not my jam. Okay. So my little, my little buddy, I'm like, I'm, I gotta, we, gotta, we can't let him quit this thing. So I'm there every time. Jack, you can do hard things. I've got no idea how to coach you on wrestling, but I know you can do hard things. Don't give up because it's hard. You can do hard things, buddy. A couple of weeks ago, we're almost at the end of the class and he hasn't cried. I'm like, oh yes, there's breakthrough. <laughs> breakthrough is coming. I was singing that song as, whoo. And he has this final wrestle against this little kid. And I'm like, this is it. He's gonna, he's gonna be okay. We're gonna make it. And that little kid's dad was sitting next to me. So it's Jack versus this dad's kid and they're about to wrestle. And the other dad's like a, really into it. He's like yelling out stuff like, yeah, yeah, Billy, like do a grapple, a grapple left hook underdog or something like weird move. I'm like, what are you talking about? What does that mean? And I'm like, just trying to be like a nice local pastor in my community. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say. So I'm just there like, 
Put him in a body bag, Johnny. Sweep the leg. Kick his butt, Seabass. Go ahead, Seabass. I don't want to brag. But Jack made that kid cry that day. No mercy. And he graduated from not crying at wrestling. Listen, I'm going to be direct today. Taking territory is not always easy. I'd be lying to you if I said that it was. And there's always going to be an easier option in life, friend. There's always going to be shortcuts. There's always going to be an easier way to do something. You tried nine-minute abs, didn't work. So you got eight-minute abs, didn't work. You tried seven-minute abs, still didn't work. Friend, stop it. Don't get six-minute abs. Just buy a bunch of kale and drink that for a few months. You'll be miserable, but then you might have abs. There's always a shortcut. Why is everyone always looking for the easy way out? Oh, it's always always easier. Listen, guys, it's easier not to go to emerge. It's easier not to. We get it. I'm really busy. We're all busy. Stop it. Like you have a special pass on that? Stop it. Ah, busy all the time. Oh, I can't afford it. Well, just figure it out. Go Uber Eats drive for a couple of days. Figure it out. It's not easy to get to emerge. I'd say it's, I'd say it's harder if you don't get to emerge. Six months from now, a year from now. That wasn't a paid endorsement. That's just something I felt to say. It's easier not to. Everyone's looking for easier. Let me, let me say something that I hope I'm allowed to say. There's probably easier churches to go to than churches like our church and churches like, probably easier churches to go to. What I mean by that is, and I mean that this in a respectful way to other churches, it's probably, there are probably churches that are just gonna be cool with you just floating in, floating out. No discipleship, no challenging, no pastoral care, no, no, not, not the need or desire to, to pull the God-given destiny, the gold out of you. I just don't wanna build my life around what's easy. I wanna build my life around what is worthwhile. And I'm telling you, God is looking right now to raise up the churches of people who are not willing to prioritize what is easy, but they're willing to prioritize what is worthwhile. Is it easy to start serving? Well, maybe not, but it's worthwhile. Is it easy to go to Coronado and start a location out there? Not easy, but it's worthwhile. Is it easy to remodel the building and make it amazing, make it 2.0? No, it's not easy, but friend, it's gonna be so worthwhile. It's gonna be so worthwhile. Come on, it was worthwhile the first time we did it. You better believe it's gonna be double worthwhile the second time we do it. You know what? I'm gonna stand before God one day and you will too, friend. It's gonna be a one-on-one meeting. You can't bring an attorney with you to argue your case. It's for you and God. I kind of wanna stand before God one day and not be making excuses for all the difficult things I put into the too hard basket because I was just so obsessed with trying to do what was easy, just what was easy. You know, one thing a lot of pastors say to me, Sal, is they, when I meet 
up with people at pastors' conferences, which is basically just a bunch of skinny jean jacket with tear people, you know, all coming together. <clears throat> and they all look the same. And one thing that pastors tell me, Sal, especially ones from like Florida and Texas, when they, they hear that I'm from Seattle, they say, oh, Seattle, that must be a hard place. I'm like three or four times away from just like, oh, really, oh, headbutt. <laughs> that must be hard. You know what would be hard? Iran, <laughs> Afghanistan, China. Those places would be hard. What is too hard for our God? What is too hard for our God? Just in case you're thinking of moving to Texas or Florida, come with me for a journey in the, just for a moment into my mind. <laughs> I've said this at my church and it's probably kept about 30 or so people from moving out of Washington and giving up on the state. In a million years time in heaven, you'll be hanging out and you might happen to bump into someone who was killed for their faith. Quiet. <laughs> or, or maybe you'll bump into Shadrach, Shadrach Meshach and, and the other one. <laughs> if you're wondering the church's stance on is it Abednego or Abednego, we don't care. <laughs> we just don't care. We're gonna call him Abe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not having any more division. We're gonna call him Abe, okay? So million years time in heaven, you meet Abe. You're having a conversation with him. Abe, dude, that furnace thing, that was wild. Nebuchadnezzar, man, way to stand up. Way to, way, to, way to stand up for your faith, man. The problem with that conversation is at some point, Abe's gonna turn to you and say, tell me your story. And you might have to explain. It's gonna get awkward. You might have to explain how you left California to move to Texas because California was too hard. And then Abe's gonna say, California? Is that the place with all the beaches? <laughs> and you're gonna say, yeah. I'm just gonna leave that one right there. <laughs> Maybe you want a Bible story to back this up. Maybe you're one of those, show me that in scripture. Jonah chapter one which is entitled, Jonah Runs from the Lord. If my story was in the Bible, I probably wouldn't want it to be titled, Drew Runs from the Lord. Jonah 1 verse one. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is a very wicked, bad place. It's like Portland. Um, I always get a much better laugh in Seattle because it's like Seattle versus Portland, which is more crazy? They are! Anyway, <laughs> verse three. Jonah goes to get on the boat at the port, but instead of going to Nineveh, he gets on a boat to Tarshish. Fun fact, Nineveh was 725 miles away. Tarshish was 3,000 miles away. Verse four through 12, to summarize for the sake of time, a powerful storm 
hits the boat, the crew realise that Jonah is the reason why they're stuck in a storm and they throw him into the sea. Verse 15, they throw Jonah into the sea. The storm stops. Verse 17, the Lord arranges a giant fish to swallow Jonah. You may have seen it. You may have heard this story. And Jonah is inside the fish for three days and three nights. That's Jonah chapter one. Jonah chapter two, to summarise, Jonah prays to God in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. The fish spits him out onto the beach. He is shipwrecked. Some dads would like to joke he was fish wrecked. It's not a good joke. Stop it. All the dads out there. So he's fish wrecked. He's on an island. He's by himself. He finds volleyball. He names a Wilson. No, he doesn't do that. That's a movie. That's in the message version of the Bible somewhere. But he, he no, it's, just, it's not. I'm just joking. Send, send Pastor Stacy all your emails about theology that I've um, not clarified well today. Um, <laughs> But after he, after he has a moment, he agrees. Okay, God, okay, I'll go, I'll go. And then God uses Jonah to save the city of Nineveh. The territory to take was Nineveh. So Tarshish was his easy escape and Nineveh was the difficult option. So for all the note takers, that we talked about before, the importance of that. The note takers, here, here's my question I want you to write in your notes today. What is my Nineveh? What is my territory that you know I'm called to take? And here's my follow-up question for you to write down. What is my Tarshish? What is my escape when Nineveh looks too hard? For some people today, your Nineveh might be something as simple as a life that's free of addiction. But the easy thing to do is to just go back to the bottle, go back to the addiction, go back to the website, go back to the phone call from the boyfriend from college who's an idiot and you know it, but you just keep going back there. You just, because you just because it's a territory you need to take. So territory takers aren't looking for easy. Friend, you were made to do hard things. Amen. Worship team, you guys can come. We're almost done. We're almost out of time, but worship team, you guys can come. Number three is this. Territory takers go all in. They go all in. There are certain things that trigger me, certain things that trigger me. Bad Mexican food triggers me. And I just gotta say, I gotta put this out there just to see what happens. But there's a massive, massive lack of good Mexican food in the Northwest. And if anybody would like to partner with me, I am willing to accept applications. You can text Drew to 55525 and we will talk after the service. I'm not kidding you guys. That is the real pandemic in the Northwest. It is the lack of Mexican food. You... Let me, let me vent for a second, guys. This is how bad it is. You order, you order a burrito. They give you some, some awful tortilla that's been sitting somewhere for like weeks on end and they stuff it full of cheap rice and cheap beans and they sprinkle in like a, an ounce of meat and a tablespoon of guac and they expect you to pay $12 for it. That's the real crime. So bad Mexican food triggers me. You've all learned that. Slow drivers trigger me. 
Sugar-free ice cream triggers me. Like, what's the point of that? Stop it. It doesn't taste good. Stop pretending like it tastes good. Oh, it's so good, it's so good. No, it's not. It's sugar-free ice cream. That's stupid. It's a waste of time. Just fast. Fast and pray. Stop it. Sugar-free ice cream. It's a protein-free protein shake. Stupid. Anyway, these are my triggers. You know my biggest trigger? Pastor Mike, my biggest trigger. Apathetic Christians. Oh boy. The older I get, the more impatient I get around this topic. I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. I just find, I just have less patience for apathetic Christians that don't know what they're saved from, don't know what they're saved to, have lost their reverence for the house of God, have lost their honour for the bride of Christ, have lost the importance of the call of God, have lost the idea that the church is the hope for this world, have lost their awe of their Saviour. Apathetic Christians. Apathy, according to Google, which never lies, is simply put, a lack of interest, enthusiasm or concern. A lack of interest, enthusiasm or concern. Like we have a, a culture that yelps churches. What? Are you serious? Let me just in a nice way rebuke you if you've ever done that in a, in a bad way. If you've, if you have, if you've done that, because listen, we already talked about this today. One day you're gonna get to heaven and you might be standing next to someone who died for their faith, but you yelped the church because the parking lot was too busy or because they didn't sing the songs that you like or because the pastor didn't preach from the, the version of the Bible that's your preference or because the pastor didn't feed you. You're an adult, feed yourself, come on. Seriously. How embarrassing, how embarrassing. You know what I like about CrossFit people? Come on, CrossFit people, give me a wave right now. CrossFit people, not very many, okay, cool. Less people to be offended. You know, CrossFit people, you know what I like about them? They are obsessed with CrossFit. They are all about CrossFit. You can go to anything, any event you want. You can go to a funeral and CrossFit people will find each other. I'm not sure if it's like a shape of the body thing, whether they've got like their own little CrossFit radar, whether they see someone like, you look like you flipped a tractor tire this morning. They find each other. But you know what I like about it? Is they're obsessed. We got CrossFit people more obsessed with CrossFit than we got Christians obsessed with the gospel. And that's gotta change. When you think of one of the most iconic Australians, you'll think first and foremost of Pastor Jürgen and Pastor Leanne, but, but uh, uh, coming in at third, who would you think of as one of the most iconic, passionate Australians? You would think of Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin, I had a friend of mine that used to work for Steve Irwin. And I said to him one day, I said, man, is, is Steve Irwin really that 
that passionate and excited? Or is it like just a, a camera thing? He's like, no, he is excited and passionate and all in all the time. He does not switch off. Like he'll walk into a board meeting, crikey. Oh, look at these, look at this PowerPoint presentation. Look at these numbers. Oh, mate, we're in the black, we're not in the red. Let's go buy some more acres of land. You know what? You know why Steve Owen was a household name? He is a household name. It's because he was passionate. He was all in. He was all in to what he did. Revelation 3.15 says this, I know your deeds that you knew are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. You see, friends, when it comes to church, the world who is skeptical at best and critical at worst are looking at the church more than ever now. And they're wondering, do they really believe what they're talking about? Do they really believe that? Are they really all in? Are these Christians really all in? Because what repels the world is not so much the hot or the cold, it's the lukewarm. And the world can see lukewarm sometimes more easily than we can. And 2 Chronicles says this, chapter 16, verse nine, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are what? Fully committed to Him. Friend, God is looking not for lukewarm, on the fence. He is looking for people who are all in. He is looking for people who are obsessed. And I think it is high time that the church became obsessed with what we are doing. Friend, we are the hope for the world. We are the hope for Chula Vista. We are the hope for National City. We are the hope for Coronado. Come on, it is the bride of Christ. Jesus is coming back for a bride. He is not coming back for a mistress. And so we need to treat the bride accordingly. Come on, would you stand? We're gonna close, we're gonna close. There's a story, real quickly. A famous cricket player named C.T. Studd attended a crusade in 1876 with Charles Spurgeon. At this crusade, he has an encounter with God. He leaves his career in cricket to go to Africa, the Congo, where he makes his new home and he puts all of his inheritance he inherited from his father and puts his entire inheritance into funding the gospel message. And several years later, C.T. Studd heard the rumor that gold had been discovered near the Congo where he was. And thousands of people start showing up from all around the world, trying to get their hands on some of this gold. Later on, C.T. Stubb would go on to write this. He said this, last June at the mouth of the Congo, there awaited a thousand prospectors, traders, merchants, and gold seekers waiting to rush into this region as soon as the government opened the door to them. For rumor declared that there is an abundance of gold. If such men hear so loudly the call of gold and obey it, can it be that the ears of Christ's soldiers are deaf to the call of God? Now check this out, he says this, are gamblers for gold so many and gamblers for God so few? Friend, I would never advise you to gamble at the casino, but I would encourage you to gamble for God. It seems like every time I make a gamble on God, I come out a winner. But there's a catch. 
you got to go all in. You got to go all in. You got to stop hedging your bets. You got to get all your chips and just trust God that if you put them all in the God basket, that that's God's best for you. I wouldn't advise you to gamble at the casino, but I would advise you to gamble on God, to go all in for Him. Come on, to go all in for the house of God, to go all in for taking territory, to go all in for taking dominion, to go all in. Friend, I was telling this to the 9 a.m. service, you know, it's interesting. Probably the number one reason why people would leave my church is because they hear a message like this one and they say, I don't wanna go all in. That's too much for me. I kind of want to go to church like five times a year and just hang out. And I don't want anyone to expect anything of me. I don't want, I don't want anyone to try and disciple me, to pull the gold out of me, to develop me, to make me. I, I, just, I just don't want that. But you know what? I'm, I'm okay with, with preaching this message because I am who I am today because people encourage me to go all in. I am who I am today because pastors like Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne encouraged me to go all in. And the truth is this, I don't have a problem preaching this because Jesus Himself asked this of His disciples. In Luke 9, he's, He says this, He says, would you follow me? But before He says, would you follow me? He says, would you deny yourself? Would you take up your cross? Would you follow me? So the precursor to following Jesus is the taking up of your cross. But the precursor to taking up your cross would be the denying of your Self, And you and, I, you and I know that what's on the other side of following Jesus is life and life in abundance. It's an amazing life. But friend, Jesus didn't call you to easy. He called you to worthwhile. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're almost done. Come on, I wanna ask the question of every single person today. I know there are people in this room today and if you were to be honest with yourself, you are not all in for Jesus Christ today. Maybe you were at one point, maybe you've run away, maybe you've slipped away, maybe you've fallen away, but you're not all in for Jesus, friend. The greatest decision you could make in your life would be to go all in for Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, all I want you to do in a moment is to lift your hand in the air because I wanna know who those people are in the room that need to respond to this question today. Who needs to go all in for Jesus? So come on, ready? I'm gonna count to three and I want you to put your hand up. You need to go all in for Jesus. Come on, enough's enough. Don't let another day go by. One, two, three. Come on, I see your hand. Thank you, thank you. Come on, thank you up the back. Come on, thank you on the side. Thank you, sir, I see you over there. Thank you at the back. Come on, who else? Thank you. Come on, who else needs to respond? Come on, thank you, sir. Come on, thank you, young man. Come on, who else needs to respond? Enough's enough. Go all in for Jesus. Go all in. Who else? Come on. Lift your hand right now if you haven't already and you need to. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Amazing. Amazing. Come on. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise, somebody. Amazing. I'm so sorry, I've gone over time. I've gone over time, but, but Pastor Mike told me that I could go over time, so it's okay. So we've got 90 seconds left. Here, I just wanna do one last thing, one last thing. So many of you, 
raise your hands right now. It'd be such a privilege for us as a church to take a moment just to pray with you, to give you a Bible, to give you a gift, to help you. And so many of you raise your hand. We, we, we can't go to each and every single one of you. So what we wanna do in the last 90 seconds we have is we wanna turn this place into a praise party, a celebration. And for all of you that raise your hand, or maybe you know you should have raised your hand, but you didn't, all I want you to simply do is slip out of your seat. I'm gonna hop off this stage. I want you to come down here, down the front. So come on, would you do that? Come on, all of you that raise your hand, come down the front. Come on, come on. Would you come? At the back, would you come? At the back, would you come? Who else needs to come? Come on, come on. Come down, come down. Come on, buddy. Good job, man. Good job, man. Come on. Come on. Awesome. Come on, man. Good job. Amazing. Incredible. Come on. Amazing. Come on, who else needs to come? Come on, there's still time. There's still time. Come on, put your hands together, church. There. They're still coming. They're still coming. Amen. Come on. Yes. Keep, keep coming. Amazing. Amazing. Come on. I'm so proud of you guys. Made the best decision you ever made in your life to say yes to Jesus, to go all in. So we're going to say a quick prayer together right now. This prayer is specifically for the people at the front that raised their hand, but we're going to pray this prayer all together as one big church family. You ready? Well, we're doing it anyway. Are you ready? Come on. Let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to hang on a cross for me, for my sins. I turn from doing life my way. I go all in for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.